unexpectedly I got a call on Friday morning to say that the preacher for this morning, Graham Circum, who was going to preach on new creation, has got COVID. So Rod, uh, have you got something up your sleeve that sort of might be about new creation? Well, actually, I do. And it's all about preparing for heaven. Kay and I are going to Norway and Finland and Sweden and UK in six months and three days and 21 hours. <laughs> I'm guessing a bit there, but somewhere in mid-February. So we've just signed up last week and we're off for this exciting trip. We've been planning this for two years. This was our 50th wedding anniversary celebration. <laughs> no, no, we're 52 years now, so it's over. <laughs> but we're catching up. So we've got this U-Butte exciting trip to Norway, Sweden, UK. Kay's ancestors came from Gutland in Sweden. So we're going to see her relatives, long lost, past, etc. Any, any trip adventure like that to me is exciting. Uh, we're now going through the process of talking to flight centre and places like that, checking out the documents, thinking about more injections, uh, starting to look at itineraries, starting to look at the FAQs on the website, the questions to ask, etc., when you're going on away on a significant journey like that. Looking at the money that we've got to have, uh, doing checking out that our wills are up to date, changing our plans because we had other things we were going to do at the end of this year, but now we've got a big trip coming next year, so we had to rearrange things and, and make preparations rain check, other activities, sacrifice some money because now we've got to put the money towards this trip that's going to cost us some thousands of dollars. We've got to plan to get rid of excess baggage. You're only allowed, I think, for us, 23K in our suitcase. We've got to get ready for a bit of culture shock, different language. We've got to prepare for departure. Now, I don't know about you, but whenever I get in a plane, I'm always more conscious as I'm buckling up that I pray. <laughs> I get into the car every day and I don't actually often pray. But when I get into a plane, I'm buckling up. For some reason, I pray more. Maybe because the chances of something going wrong and getting out are significantly worse in a plane than in a car. Actually, more accidents in a car than planes, but that's a different story. And that, that makes me think, well, what happens if something does go wrong? What happens if we hop in that plane and instead of going there, we end up over the Arctic Ocean and never come back? You know that plane that went off, never came back, we're still looking for it? What happens if we start off on one exciting adventure trip and we end up unexpectedly in another. 
every minute, every hour, every day of our lives, we should actually keep in the back of our minds that we are preparing for heaven, right? So as I thought about this, I came up with, uh, started thinking, what what would be on the checklist, on the FAQ list, if I'm going to heaven? What would be the questions I'd ask? So I started thinking, here they are. Thank you. Uh, 17 questions, FAQs I came up with. Now, that gave me a list to preach on for this morning. Buckle up, you're here to 2.30? No? Okay. We're going to do maybe five of those. Can I be sure that there's some place to go to? Will there be sights to see? Will I see God? Won't heaven be boring? Will there be things to leave behind? Will there be people to meet? Are there pleasures to enjoy? Is there history to know about? What will my body look like in heaven? What will the perfected soul be like? Will, will there be any, well, why won't there be any marriage in heaven? Will I lose my identity? Will I be reunited with my family and my friends in heaven? Will I be sad in heaven? Won't I miss out on the exciting things of life if I die too early? What won't we do in heaven? What will we do in heaven? You ever thought about those? All of those? Well, sometime or other, most of us have those sorts of thoughts. So, okay, short list, maybe five. First, FAQs. And the first one is this. Can I be sure that there's somewhere to go? Are there actually places called Norway and Finland and Sweden? Maybe it's a huge con. You know, maybe we've just been mass indoctrinated, fake news all over the place, and we just think that there's a Finland and a Norway and other places. If you've never been out of Australia, maybe Australia's the only place. So we hop on the plane and we've never been there. Are we sure that we're actually going to arrive? Some say um, that the people who walked on the moon never actually walked on the moon. It was just all doctored videos and things that NASA put together. How can I be sure that my departure for heaven is actually going to go somewhere? How can I be sure there's some place to go? Now, as I look around here, I see a few more grey heads than normal. But it doesn't matter what age we are or how close we are to departure, whether we're young or old, it's still a significant question. Or, when I board that plane to go to Finland or Scandinavia, how can I be sure that we won't end up in just outside Jakarta 
where the world's biggest dump now operates. There is, however, a place called Scandinavia and UK. There's good evidence for that. And we are going there, God willing, six months' time, two days, 21, 20 hours' time. And there is a place called heaven. And we're going there too. That's the trip of a lifetime. You see, this life, Bible says, is like a tiny little drop of water in the ocean. And yet we get so absorbed with everything that's happening with that tiny little drop, we think that's the universe. But this is just a drop in the ocean, this time that we have here, compared with the time we're going to spend in heaven. I just cannot comprehend what that's going to be like. A, a very famous scientist, mathematician in the 17th century, Pascal, heard of Pascal's principle, you physics people? He, he wrote in his diary, and it was discovered after he, he died, what's now called Pascal's bet, Pascal's wager. And this scientific guy, and I have an interest in psychological science, so... Uh, this is perhaps more relevant to me than, than others. He said, I, I'm going to bet that there is a God and there is a heaven and I'm going to live my life as though that's a reality because I've got everything to gain if it's true and I've got nothing to lose if it's not. Now, I'm with Pascal. In John 14, 1, Jesus said, Don't let your hearts be anxious. He gave that encouragement because his disciples were troubled at the thought of his leaving them. He was their resource for everything. And when they needed comfort, he comforted them. When they needed wisdom, he taught them. When they needed food, he provided it. And in the three years that they'd been together, he had become their very lives. And he said, therefore, to them, don't let your hearts be heavy. You've always trusted in God, haven't you? Well, then, now trust me too. Imagine an enormous mansion. Think of all the rooms, too many in that mansion to count. That's what God's kingdom is like. It has room for everyone. And I'm not leaving you, Jesus said, forever. All I'm really doing right now is going to God's house to get your rooms ready. And I'll come back and I'll take you home with me. Now, I've paraphrased that a little bit, but you can check that out yourself. We will be with the Father, with Christ, in the Father's house. And everyone in heaven lives in the Father's house, if they're in heaven. Many houses are not necessary. There's only one guest house, and that's the dwelling place of God. Can I be sure that there's somewhere to go? You bet.
I am betting. Got lots of evidence to give solidity to that bet. And I've enjoyed living this life in expectation that there's more to come. So even if there's nothing else, it's still been worth it. But the Bible says there is much else and there's a lot of evidence to back that up. So, question two. Fact, frequently asked question two. Will there be sights to see? Now, I've never been to Scandinavia before. I expect to see scenery beyond my imagination. I expect to see cities very different to my Aussie heritage. For the first 50 years of my life, I'd never been outside of Oz. I'm sort of, I like being here. I'm comfortable in Oz. I want to go all around Australia, do the, you know, the, the circuit thing, and did. Then I had the chance to actually go to China, worked in China in the Gobi Desert for 12 months. We saw things there that I'd never imagined before. We met people that I'd never encountered before. And suddenly my little universe expanded. And I got excited by the things beyond my comprehension, even here on this earth. Now that's just a touch of what's going to happen when the sights to see and all that big stuff is yet to come. I'll see when we go to Scandinavia, museums and cultural displays, and that will expand my awareness. And I'll see parts of God's creation that will amaze me. You know, why do we get so excited about beauty and, and beauty in nature and beauty in art and beauty in people and beauty in music? It's almost like, well, it is. God has built into us, programmed into us, something that responds to that stuff and it's it's a bit limited at the moment for me I have to confess that I'm one of those that sits in services and sometimes doesn't always feel as worshipful during the songs as others do the good news is that that faculty in me is going to be expanded and enhanced and I'm going to enjoy the singing and the worshipping far more than I ever have Heaven's surpassing beauty will satisfy the inbuilt craving in my heart forever. And my short life, like the drop in the ocean, in the light of the reality of an eternal existence in heaven. This short life is, is for L plates. I'm just learning to make the right decisions. But there's a whole driving experience beyond my imagination to come. Listen to this, an event spectacular, Revelations 4 verse 6. I saw a figure richly dressed in red sitting on a throne. A sparkling rainbow arched over the throne, which was surrounded by 24 other thrones, each occupied by a leader of God's people. And they wore white robes and golden crowns, and lightning flashed and thunder pealed from the throne. And seven lamps were blazing in front of it. The perfect number representing God's spirit. A crystal sea stretched away in front of the throne. 
And four mysterious creatures surrounded the throne and they looked like a lion, an ox, a man and an eagle. Each was covered with eyes and had six wings. Wow. I haven't seen any of those in recent times. But when I get to this place I'm going, I'm going to see things that are going to blow my mind. And day and night they sing out their praises. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord, the almighty God, the eternal one who is today what he's always been and always will be. And the 24 leaders join in, falling on their faces before the eternal God who sits on the throne. And they cast their crowns before him. They cry out, you, O Lord and God, are worthy to receive glory and honour and power. For you created and sustained everything by the sheer force of your will. I believe that. I'm betting on that. I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to sights to see that I've never even imagined. A similar scene in in Revelation 5, 8 and 9. At this the four creatures and the 24 leaders fell down before the Lamb and they each held up harps and golden bowls full of incense which represent the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song they worshipped. You have won the right to open the scroll because you were killed and, and your blood paid the price to rescue people from every nation on earth. And you have called them into your kingdom so that they can serve God and rule the earth. And suddenly thousands of angels were flying around the throne and calling out and the lamb who was killed is worthy to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and power to the one who sits on the throne and to the lamb. And the four creatures round about shouted out, Amen, yes! And the leaders of God's people fell down and worshipped him. Is that not a spectacular event? Ever been there yet? Just a taste of this great trip that's lying before us who know and trust and follow Jesus. And the angel showed me, it says in Revelation 22, a crystal river of life-giving water flowing from the throne down the middle of the city's main street. And beside the river stands the tree of life, which produces fruit every month and whose lives will heal the nations. And the curse placed on our first ancestors in the garden will be lifted and the throne will be in the city and God's people will serve him there. Forget Scandinavia, forget UK, forget Gobi Desert. This is the trip of a lifetime. And I do get excited when I read that reality described in the Bible. Will I see God? FAQ number three. When in Oslo, the capital of Norway, do you think I'll see the king of Norway? Do you think he and his parliament and his government will all come out to the airport? 
to Kay and I and say, G'day, bullpits, been, been waiting for you guys. Uh, don't think so. <laughs> Never know. <laughs> At best, I might get a, a glimpse of some distant figure up on a balcony in a, in a government building. That might be the closest. When I get to heaven, will I see God? What's the Bible say? Matthew 5, verse 8, it says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And the Greek word translated there, see, is actually future continuous tense. It's an environment, environment where we're continually seeing God. Kings of the ancient Orient uh, isolated themselves from the people. Putin today isolates himself from the people. An interview with Queen Elizabeth is a very rare privilege. But believers in Jesus, however, will forever see the King of Kings, it says. Revelation 22, 3 and 5. The curse placed on our first ancestors will be lifted. The throne will be in the city and God's people will serve him and they will be able to look at his face. The Lord God shall illumine them. Now, now it says, well, we know, spirit is invisible. God's spirit is invisible. And it's only when God somehow gives light to his spirit that we can see When we get to heaven, our eyesight's going to be improved somehow, as is our body, as is everything else. I've got dry eyes now. They tell me if you get older, you've got to put drops in your eyes and things. Uh, I can still see okay most of the time. But when I get to heaven, I'm going to see things I've never seen before. Perfect sight, it says. And I'll see God. Somehow he will allow me to see what is spirit. I don't understand it, but I just look forward to it. Since our souls and bodies and faculties will be perfected in heaven, we will have a greater capacity to see the light, God's revelation of himself. And we will also see Christ. 1 John 3. But friends, that's exactly who we are, children of God. And that's only the beginning. Who knows how we'll end up? What we know is that when Christ is openly revealed, we'll see him. And in seeing him, it says, become like him. There's a lot of stuff in me that's still got to be cleaned up. But the day is coming, it says, when that will be done for me and for you if you're trusting and believing and following and you signed up to go to the same trip that I'm at incidentally the Bible makes it clear there's two trips you can go on there's some dodgy travel agents out there who promise you other trips and in the Bible it speaks about Satan the devil and if he can suck you in into going to one of those other trips and make it sound really nice there's only one trip that you can be confident in.
Um, I've read a few books over time about uh, evidence for life after death. This is one by Lee Strobel, uh, the most recent he's written, The Case for Heaven. He's written other books, The Case for Christ, The Case for Creation. Case for Heaven, great book to read. Got some, uh, Bible, got some small group stuff questions you could use in your small groups as well. But, but over time, there's been evidence of people who have had an afterlife experience, and they've come back to talk about it. People who've been operating theatres and, and described exactly what was happening underneath. People who've been... You've read, heard some of that stuff. Uh, one of the things that says many of those people who are not believers have said that they, were, they sensed they were going through a tunnel, dark tunnel, and there was light at the end of the tunnel. Well, I'm a bit sus about that. Uh, it says in the Bible that Satan appeared as an angel of light. And I don't want to give people false hope by saying, well, you can just follow any old thing because when you die, it's all going to turn out great. That's not what the Bible says. It says you've got to sign up for the right trip. And Jesus made it absolutely clear what that trip would be. The day is coming when we will see Christ and we'll be like him. And seeing Christ and the Father will overwhelm and eternally awe us and it'll be awesome. But understanding that glory will captivate our minds. Have I got the 20-minute mark yet? Did you wave? How many minutes is that? Two to go. Won't, won't heaven be boring? I talked to some young people and they said, look, <laughs> I have to say, it's sort of compared to this life that I'm living now, I sort of think life might, um, heaven might be boring. I think that sometimes too. But that's not reality. Sometimes I get too fixed on this world and all the busy things that are happening and the things that make me anxious get sucked in to looking too much to this little drop in the ocean. Our world population is now 8 billion. It's been estimated that more than 60 million people will die this year. And that's not taking into account Ukraine-Russia. Today alone, 150,000 people will die. Which trip are they on? Tomorrow, another 150,000 people will die. And for the most part, people seem unconcerned and uninterested or bored about thinking about such a reality. But in the heart of every individual is a sense of impending reality of death. We don't like to think about some of us. My dad died at 70. My mum died at about... Sorry, my dad died about 70. Yeah, my, my mum died at 79. I'm 75. The purpose of this message about heaven is to bring about in you an excitement about heaven's realities beyond death. And we need to set our love and our affections and our expectations on things above to accumulate our treasure in heaven and not on earth. Simply put, 
We're going to a place where the focus is going to be on a person, God, Jesus. And we'll enter into fellowship with God and his son and we'll never leave his presence. Being with God is the essence of heaven. We will enjoy unending friendship and fellowship with God. And since God is infinitely perfect, we'll never grow bored of being with him. I've been happily married for 52 years. Did I tell you that? I'll tell you this, I'm not bored yet. This person I'm married to keeps surprising me. I love her and she loves... Where are you, Kay? <laughs> Still here? Testimony time. Up there, yeah, there she is. I'm going to a, a place, a dimension, that's coming up on this trip of a lifetime where I'm going to meet the lover of my soul and I'm not going to be bored in his presence. I'm going to discover facets of his personality and his creation that's going to keep me interested for centuries. I've spent three years here in, in Kapalabar area, or wherever we are, Wynnum. I still haven't discovered all the things that are around about. I haven't talked to all the people yet. Imagine how long it's going to take me to discover all of the planets and all of the other stuff and go through the libraries and all the other information that's in heaven. I'm not going to be bored. It's going to be amazing. Awesome. Where are you, Matt? It's going to be awesome. <laughs> okay, last thing. Over time. What's that now? Can I go for one more? Okay. Will there be things to leave behind? Scott Peck, Christian psychiatrist, wrote a book, In Heaven as on Earth, not On Earth as in Heaven. Good book, too. interesting book. He talks about going and exploring heaven after death. He talks about coming across a huge sinkhole. And as he looks down the sinkhole, you can see all these figures down there. And that was meant to be hell, the other place. All right? And they're all counting. They've got their calculators out and they're, they're all counting. And he has this, this interesting observation that most of us spend this life counting things. We count our money, we count our kids, we count our family, uh, we count out our days. We're absorbed with counting and accumulating things. Those of us who are gardeners, we go out and we walk around the garden, we count the flowers. One, two, oh, we got three more flowers from yesterday. <laughs> Hell might be just an extension of what we've been doing all our lives and how absolutely boring that will be. Don't accumulate stuff in this earth. By the way, hell's going to be much, much worse than that. But all things decay. And sin is the ignoring of or the rebelling against the Father God and his ways and it mars all our relationships, the environment, our possessions, people, family. And in, first, in 2 Peter chapter 3, Peter graphically describes the certain destruction of the present heavens and the earth. And it's ironic that what many people focus on so much today is going to be destroyed. Okay, last thing, tips for takeoff.
you're going to be traveling with others. That's good. They're going to be exploring with you. When we go on our bus trip around Sweden, Norway, we're going to have other people with us. It's good to have other people. We are made to be in community with other people. Tell your friends where you're going. Right now, there may be a couple of people from our apartment who know that I'm preaching here and they're listening. I'm telling you where I'm going. This is the, the trip of a lifetime and I'm looking forward to it. I'm not longing to die, don't get me wrong, but I am looking forward to what's on the other side of it. Preparing for heaven. I want to make sure I'm on the right plane. And I've discovered and believe absolutely that the Bible makes it clear which plane I've got to be on. The one that Jesus sets up as the way to go. Not any other dodgy stuff that might be around. The departure date is unknown. It's not in six months and two days and 19 hours. It, it could be any time. The Bible says it's like a thief in the night. You don't know when they're coming. Unexpectedly. For me, it might be another five years, catch up with my mum. Might be another 25 years. Might be this afternoon. Whether you're young or old, it doesn't matter. It could come <coughs> like that. So be prepared for heaven. And commit your all to the going. Enjoy this life. Follow the ways of Jesus. He said, I've come to give you abundant life. Enjoy it now. But hey, you're going to enjoy it a whole lot more when you finally get there, having prepared for heaven. That's it. Five FAQs. If you want to talk more about that with any of the people in the prayer team later on, do so. Um, if I've teased your interest a bit, maybe sometime further we can look at the other. Uh, 17 minus 5. 12 aspects that are there. Thanks to the worship team. I want to pray. Heavenly Father, we're grateful that you're giving us a, a taste of what it means to know exciting and abundant life now, that you look after us in this small, tiny part of eternity that we're currently expressing or experiencing with our L plates. But we look forward to what you're going to do, what you've already done, and that we can join you in heaven for eternity. Agreed? Yes.